Today is Saturday, February 17th, and this is Celtic Speed on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Evan Valenti, no Kaufman today. Episode 559 features Barstool Sports Dan Greenberg, and today's show is powered by FanDuel. Get 150 bucks in bonus bets with a $5 winning bet at FanDuel.com slash Boston. everybody welcome inside another edition of Celtics Speed here on CLMS Media no Adam Kaufman here today Kaufman a little under the weather buddy feel better we'll get you back next week as we kick things off for the second half of the season but as we hit the official halfway point of the season even though that was a long time ago Celtics coming in to the all-star break they have Jalen Brown in the dunk contest tonight uh, as we record, we have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in the All-Star game tomorrow night. Uh, no injuries. And uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Uh, Greeny, what do they play? Uh, Thursday, their first game back? 22nd, yeah, whatever the 22nd is. I think that's yeah. Thursday. Thursday, yeah, something like that. So, C's will be back in action in short time. But we stand here, myself, Evan Valenti, alongside Dan Greenberg from Barstool Sports. We stand here 43-12, and 12, mm-hmm. best record in the NBA. It's been awesome. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yep, so been we'll awesome. Get, we'll get a little bit into that just a little bit. Uh, we'll get into some all-star stuff later on in the show as well. But I kind of want to start here, Greeny, just because of like the amount of brain power people have spent over the past couple of days arguing this topic. Okay. And I think it's kind of like all for naught. I think it's just kind of we're all wasting time unless something dramatic happens between now and the end of the season. I think it would have to be dramatic, but – Everybody's wasting their time talking about Jason Tatum for MVP. I'm just going to come out flat out right now, real mm-hmm. quick. He's not going to win it, folks. I don't know why no. we're wasting our time. We're wasting our breath. Also, who cares? Like, yeah. who cares, right? Like, as an example, I would rather be a team that goes to the NBA Finals and has a shot to win the title than to be Joe Embiid's 76ers, knocked out of the second round, but Embiid won MVP. Like, am I crazy for that? Well, I think, you know, there's a few ways to look at it, right? The first is no MVP has won a title since Steph in 2014, 2015. So it's been almost 10 years since an MVP has won in the same season. So personally, I'm looking for Tatum, this team. They don't need to win their first title. I'd rather not add any weird jinx, bad juju. Like, he can win a finals MVP first. Then if he wants to go ahead and win future MVPs during the regular season, cool. The second way to look at it is I don't think anyone should realistically say Jason Tatum is the MVP of the league. I just think where people have an issue and where the pushback is, is when you hear the reasoning of why he isn't and you're hearing Brian Windhorst or other talking heads and guys that have votes say, well, Tatum was bad in the finals two years ago, and that hurts him for the 2024 regular season MVP. So if that's going to be your reasoning, then yes, Jason Tatum should be the MVP because that is Looney Tune, like a Looney Tune way of thinking. But I just think as long as he's top four, top five, what's the difference if he's healthy and anyone that watches him can see he's playing at an MVP type impact? But to win a title, he's going to have to play even better than he's playing right now. So there still has to be another level he can get to. So if that, keeping that in mind, I just like, 
don't get bent out of shape if he's not in the top three of the MVP because there are guys having great seasons. I just think the pushback is let's have some real legitimate reasons of why he shouldn't. And if it's going to be postseason success, well, then how did Joel Embiid just win an MVP? <laughs> how is how is SGA top two in MVP? Like, how is Luca ahead of Like, it just doesn't make sense when you start right. to stack up the criteria that Jason Tatum is being held to compared to everyone else. It's a little dicey, but I think he said today, like, if he wins the title, then all that stuff goes away and he'll forever be a top two or three MVP candidate. So let's take a step back for a second and let's just talk about Tatum just as a whole. Tatum currently leads the best team in the NBA in points, rebounds, and assists, which is amazing. Now, I thought that Tatum eventually could lead the team in assists. I'm impressed he's doing it this year, and we'll get into more of his stats later on in the show. Um, But, like, best player on best team in the NBA, and it's not like it's, like, close, like, especially Eastern Conference. Seas are now at this point running away with it, which is – love that – um, and they have the best record in the league by a little bit over, you know, it changes like almost daily between Minnesota and Oklahoma City and the Clippers and the Denver Nuggets. Like it, it, it changes, you know, who's at the top of the West, but Boston still has a nice cushion on those teams as well. So as like best player on best team, playing the best, he's a two-way impact player. Like that's where a lot of the Jason Tatum conversation starts. Like, okay, he has to yeah, be. And, and that's valid. And I think those yeah. are all valid, like, if you are making a case for him, that's as rock solid as you can get. Right. I just don't know if I'm putting that ahead of, you know, Jokic's team success. While it's not as great, it's not like they're all that far away from the top seed in the West and his individual production. If we think Tatum does a lot for the Celtics, like Jokic is that entire franchise and he's a proven player. So again, if you want to put Tatum in the top two or three, all the power to you. But again, like, if people don't want to go with best player, best team, because other players are having great seasons on a, you know, just, a, you know, an equally successful team, then so be it. Yeah. That's where like the shade, the shade stuff, Shea's having like the most outrageous season a guard has had since like Michael Jordan. If you really break down some of the numbers that he's had this year, right. uh, is a pick and roll ball handler. He's been literally unguardable. He's been ridiculous in isolation. I think he has like the, like outside of Luca, I think he's the most efficient isolation player in the league, and he does it on less ISO opportunities because he's just not a ball hog like Luca is. So yeah. it's, I think Shea for right now is like the leader in the clubhouse. I would put probably next to him, uh, I would put uh, Giannis. Luca would be not, excuse me, uh, Jokic, Giannis, and Luca would be next. And then I have Tam in the top five. What I care about Greeny mostly, and again, I don't, I, with this particular version of the team, again, I don't really care about MVP because this team is going to beat you as a sum of its parts, not because of one person. Like, you just cannot keep up with the C starting five, basically, is what that is. But one of the things I do care about is all NBA. Yep. You know, I have, like, a very – I'm very particular on this because I do – I kind of steal it from some of the people that actually have votes. Once you get, like, confirmed all NBA – like somebody has to come for your spot. And in Tatum's case, first team all NBA. Mm-hmm. Like in order for him to lose the first team all NBA spot, he has to not be as good, A, and B, somebody has to be like more ridiculous than him. And I think yeah. as we break it all down, Tatum, I still think with a bullet is first team all NBA. And at the end of this conversation, the end of the year, when you look at first team all NBAs, 
This would be what Tatum's thirty in a row. He's been first team All NBA. All right. So at this point, you could say with a bullet, Tatum's a top five player in the league, regardless of position. And those guys, whether they're sixth or they're fourth or they're second, like they're just going to be involved in the MVP conversation, like pretty much ad infinitum until you know he's like thirty three or whatever. Like we'll see. So he's going to be a perennial all you know all star. Going to be a perennial all NBA player. He's going to be a perennial MVP candidate. And at the end of the day, having one of those guys on your team, Greeny, like kind of rules. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it doesn't kind of rule. It rules very much. Yeah. I think like that's that's what I think we have to make sure we take a step back and appreciate and have the proper perspective because you know you can usually count that caliber of player on one hand when looking through you know, all the teams and all the talent in the league, like the same way when you think of guys that are that elite level, that are that title, like, you know, you have this no doubt about it confidence. They've proven they've gone through it. That's like five players, four players, right? The same is true for this. I think where it could get dicey in the future is if you have Jokic and B, everybody hits this 65 game limit. I mean, positionless makes it a little tough, right? Because in that, in almost every combination, you're going to have both Jokic and Embiid in that top five. So then you start to get dicey. But if Tatum is perennial in the top five MVP, perennial on a team that's maybe winning a championship or competing for a championship, that stuff doesn't go, you know, without reward and without status. So it's like you would just have to hope that he would get in over like, a Luca who has gaudy numbers, but is a nine seed. Like, is that more of a first team all NBA player than somebody who's maybe sacrificing a little much production wise, usage wise, but is an elite two way player at his position? You know, he's that as the KDs get older and the Kawhis get older, like Jason Tatum is the face of the prototype two way wing player. That guy is almost always first team all NBA. Yeah, and it's it's good that you mentioned the two-way stuff because the defensive stuff, I think, puts him – I mean, look, Luka's having a great season, and I'm not trying to, like, dismiss how good Luka Doncic is because he's been – I think it's his best effort, I think, in his career so far. I think he's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. But, again, to your credit, like, as, like, a nine seed in the West, you know, barely getting by versus a guy who's clearly – again, the one thing I like about the Celtics is they often talk about, like, the sacrifice that everybody needs to kind of make to make this work. You know, Jalen's talked about it recently. Tatum's talked about it. Drew Holiday's been preaching it since he got here. You know, Porzingis has been, I'll do whatever the team needs for me to do to win. Like, Derek White is a very unselfish player. Al Horford from the beginning. Like, everybody understands the sacrifice. We understand the fact that this team could have way bigger individual accolades, but nobody cares about that because, like, who cares about individual accolades when the season's over and you didn't win the ring? Like, you didn't win a championship? Like, nobody cares. So, you know, in that sense, I I don't know if people will weigh that because obviously you and I don't have votes. Mm-hmm. But, like, that is something that I would consider. Like, hey, like, Tatum's on a team that's won 43 games. And, like, yeah, his numbers are down everywhere in terms of, like, shooting. But he has more rebounds than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, he has more assists than he ever has. Like, this <laughs> month, as I was going to get to, he's averaging a LeBron, which is 27, 7, and 7. It's actually oh, okay. better than that. Um, but, like... And guys- let's not make too much of his his dip in scoring is twenty seven points a game. Yeah, right. And it, like, like if he wanted to, he could score thirty five a game. But right, like, so it's not like man, he's he's only floating around twenty one, right. two points a game. 
he's, he's still putting up like if this was, you know, we're seeing it now in January into February when Tatum's locked in, he's a, he's an easy 30. So yeah. it's like, you know, if he were to get the same type of usage and shot volume and all the good stuff, he's easily a 30 to 32 point per game scorer, which is whatever, you know, that's, that's what SGA is at. That's what, you know, Luke is at. So I think I would hope that the voters would take contacts into account because, you know, it's not like the other MVP candidates play on terrible teams, right? Like I'm, I'm supposed to believe OKC doesn't have talent. I'm supposed to believe that Kawhi doesn't have talent and one of the deepest rosters in the league. So it is interesting that Jason Tatum's talent is what limits him, but yet none of the other talent, the other candidates seem to matter. Uh, But, you know, they're just as important in those teams success as Porzingis is or holiday is as white is. I mean, you can't tell me Jalen Williams ascension and Chet's impact doesn't heavily impact where the thunder are. Right. So it's like, it's all just a, a weird thing where you can't really nitpick Tatum too much. So it's more, oh, well, he has too much help. So it's yeah. a super. I just want to get back to his usage rate very quickly. His usage rate has been this low since 2020 and his minutes per game has gone down to, you know, you know, back to 2021 days. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's good for everybody too that he's, that he's playing. Less. I will say this though. I will say this. If that's true. And obviously it is. You've read it probably on basketball reference. Yeah. We no longer can have the, oh, Jason Tatum must be tired once we get to the place postseason, right? Yeah. Like, this is it. We got you the help. We got – and this is the same thing for Jalen too, right? Like, this is the postseason where both of these guys, it's like you have the help. You you had the decrease in usage and wear and tear. Like, now we need to see it. Now is the time to come through. Yeah. And I want to get back to something real quick because there was some news this week about bad juju um as someone who like kind of believes oh. <laughs> kind of stuff every once in a while yeah. uh, where do you where are you at with the wick gross stuff oh yeah we have a last dance type documentary filming right now and you know uh i love it i mean you know because I, mean, I, 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 I think this is this is like this is it, if you're looking for some bad karma this is where bad karma starts right here well here's what i would tell you right okay so here's, here's my spin zone to this sure a, they've been dealing with it this whole season anyways, and they're 43 and 12 or whatever. So it's not impacting their, their play. Number two, as an avid watcher of Brissy TV, we've basically already had this been going on all year. So if that hasn't been, if nobody is throwing around that Brissy TV is a bad omen, uh, for the season, then I'm reluctant to do that now. The third is, I just wish didn't call it the last dance, right? I wish he called it like a hard knocks or something. Because like when I think of last dance, that's, oh, you're talking about your dynasty. I think what he meant was it's probably a multi-part series that follows him through. So I think the word choice was poor. The content idea, I'm just like, I mean, I need to see it immediately. I think it's the problem. Here's the problem. If they win... I'm going to be locked in. We play it all the time. If they lose, I'm never going to watch. Well, I won't watch never, it. I won't watch never it. Gonna watch. But like, for example, the 2010-2011 team was the focus of the NBA's The Association, right. which was the exact same thing. It was like a six-episode series. That team lost in the second round. It was awesome to watch as it was happening. I have not watched one episode. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because they lost at the end. So. Yeah. 
I think, you know, if this happens, they'll take their dragging that will come via the internet trolling, but that's the risk. That's happening anyways if the Celtics don't win the title this season. So for me, I'm I'm into it. I'm also a huge sucker for any type of basketball documentary or behind the scenes footage type show or type documentary series. So I'm into it, but God, if they if they win, it would be it would be something that will probably change my life to watch. I mean, I, 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 what's funny is you can't even like buy it on DVD or VHS. You have to like get the digital copy. But however you can buy it, I yeah. will. Like I'm gonna. I'm I mean, I still have I still have my 0708 championship DVD. Like, listen, that stuff. That stuff. I is got time. the 04 Red Sox Sports Illustrated magazine still. Like, I got yep. I got four days in October somewhere. You know, I got I got all the Red Sox stuff. Trust me. Like, so, so I wouldn't say it's bad juju. It's just one of those things where I think maybe that's why they're so focused this year because they are seeing all of these cameras be like, all right, we can't screw around and like have an underachieving season or get to the playoffs and come up short because, you know, this, I mean, cause they're also Tatum is also going to be on the Netflix quarterback spinoff also. So it's like, they already have 7 million different documentaries flying at once. What's one more. Can I, can I give you a, uh, a conspiracy theory about Tatum right now? I've, I've been, I've been yes. this around <laughs> a little bit. And it's just like the ultimate Homer in me. So all of you in the comments section are gonna be like, "You're an idiot." I already know this. Like, so don't even, don't even. I have a little. So and this is gonna be quick. Okay. The Celtics are gonna have a really big numbers crunch coming up here very shortly. Okay. Um, and uh, everybody's gonna be making a lot of money, um, unless Wick just is like, "I don't care what the tax bill is. I'm still gonna pay it," which is totally possible. Um, it would be super helpful if 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 some guys on this team were to take lesser deals to to make life a little bit easier for everybody. Mm-hmm. I just Tatum's in all these advertisements. He's in all of these endorsement deals. He's in all these like all this stuff. I wonder how much he's making on the side to try maybe to make you know uh, Wick and Company's ledgers a little bit easier. To, 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 I hate to tell you, bro. He's that that's going to be about a four hundred million dollar supermax. No, it's going to be that way. It's, I'm counting on like Derek and, and, and Drew and, and other guys like, Hey, we'll take discounts so we can win titles. Well, I mean, the price, the price of Derek is going up. I, and, and honestly, I don't even know without having the spreadsheet in front of me. I don't even know, even if they took a discount, they're still probably a second apron team anyways. Oh, they're going to be a second apron team regardless. Yeah. So quick, you know, like you have a hit TV show. Like I'm sure you'll just raise ticket prices and just pay everybody. Like, what are we doing? Just, Honestly, I like really for real though. When it comes down to paying this team, um, I'm and th- this is the f- first couple of months of this. Obviously, if they had a full training camp together after playing a full season together, it can get better. Which is the scary part about this whole thing for other teams is like if this C's team somehow hangs on to everybody that that means anything, I'd be I'd be terrified. But we're gonna take a quick break. Currently, the tie today show is brought to you by. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel because right now new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's 150 bucks if your bet wins. It's real simple, real easy. And I do this all the time when it comes to the Celtics. You can easily, because they're 43-12, and 12, just pick a Celtics game coming up. Now you got to wait a little bit. I understand. 
but a Celtics game coming up that they're just easily going to win because they beat most teams uh, and just say, yeah, I'm just going to stick with that. So I know they come back from the break. They have a couple of tough ones shortly after, but there's a Bulls game first on the 22nd. Uh, I would take the Celtics money line in that, make it very easy, very simple for that $5 bet to win that $150 in bonus bets. Again, the Bulls have been a little resurgent. Kobe White, real deal. Guy's been awesome. Um, but the Celtics are better than the Bulls. Just take the Celtics, whatever that comes out. I know it's not totally out yet because there's other going on. But look at that as you get going. And then take that $150 in bonus bets and bet everything else you could possibly gamble on. Quick bets. Live same-game parlays, exclusive props from FanDuel, and much, much more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21-plus in present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Evan Valenti, Dan Greenberg from Barcel Sports here on Celtic Speed. And I gave Dan a little bit of an assignment as we were getting ready for this thing. Uh, sees, as I said before, 43-12. and 12. Uh, heading into the All-Star break, best record in the league, pretty great. If you look at the Eastern Conference, the Seas are just kind of running away with it at this point. I know um, some people might have some feelings about the Milwaukee Bucks being eight and a half games back and how they might be able to get to – not ain't happening, trust me. Uh, Cleveland, six back. Bucks, eight and a half back. Knicks, ten back. Sixers, ten and a half back. Pacers, twelve and a half back. So, Greeny, as we get looking towards the next part of the season, I want to reflect on – the past so far. Is this where you thought we'd be as we enter the all-star break? Did you think the seeds would be where they are? Do they be better? Do they be worse? Where are we at? Uh, I'd say position-wise, they're where I think we all expected, right? Top of the conference. Sure. Um, I think also you have to remember that six game over Cleveland is really seven games because they won the head-to-head. So did I think that at the all-star break, they would have a seven-game lead over the two seed? No. Um, I think that's a little aggressive. Uh, considering it's the largest, you know, game difference the Celtics have had since the 08 team. So I think anyone who would say, oh, I expected them to be, you know, more than five games ahead of the two seed is just, you know, a prisoner of the moment. But I think the way that we thought the new additions would help have helped. I think the things that we all thought would be questions or hiccups were proven to be questions or hiccups. So for me, it's, the only thing that I am maybe surprised by is how healthy they've been, right? There hasn't been any, and I'm knocking on wood, like, yeah, please to continue. But, you know, they've been smart with how they've been managing things. You know, the injuries they have had have been just small little minor things. So, you know, that's gone better than I think I expected. But in terms of the quality of basketball that they're playing, the style that they're playing, I mean, this is what we've seen in the last two or three years of this Tatum and Brown era. So it's just going to matter in three months, right? Like this is all fun and games. It's a great way to spend six months, but none of it's going to matter if they don't finish it off. And I think we all understand that, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't have fun along the way because this is one of the best Celtic seasons they've literally ever had as a franchise. So 
you know, yeah. you may as well enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, I, again, this is about roughly where I thought they'd be first place. Again, I think the, the seven-game lead over the team in second place at the All-Star break is a little nuts. You know, a lot of that is health-related. Both C's have had good health. Other mm-hmm. teams have not. Um, but it's, it is, you know, quite staggering to look at the rest of the Eastern Conference and say, holy cow, what? What's going on? What? Seven yeah. games over the – like, the, the C's could take a lot of time off and still have the best record in the East. I don't plan on advising them to do that because there's other things they need to do, like have best record in the NBA, but that's yeah. for the discussion. I think what's been really great for me and slightly surprising is just how dominant they've been at home. I know they mm-hmm. had a couple of the, – the one against the Lakers, obviously, is the one that stands out the most. I know they got absolutely pants by the Clippers at home too, but I kind of saw that one coming a little bit um, considering how well they handled L.A. in L.A. And the Denver yeah. game was a classic that, again, a lot of people that commented on it didn't actually watch the game. That drove me absolutely nuts, the commentary on that game. Again, if you watched like the last four minutes, again, you you saw the same stuff. It was like, oh, well, the Chiefs only scored four points in the last four minutes, 50 seconds. And then it's like, yeah, well, the Nuggets only scored six, so we're going to – we can talk about that, or are we just going to focus only on the Cs? Oh, uh, yeah. it got to be ISO ball too much. Really? Was it? Did you watch the last four and a half minutes? Because it wasn't my, like that. My <laughs> favorite is like, oh, South Boston the Nuggets, all they did was shoot threes. Really? Because no. six of their final ten shots came from inside the free throw line. So yeah, it's, no, like, yeah. it's like, <laughs> watch the game. Anyway, so but I would say, yeah, roughly this is where I thought they'd be. And there are some things like, that I assume would go really well and have gone really well. And there's some other things that I'll talk about in a minute, but like in terms of the stuff that I expected to have, I expected to be towards the top. I also expected, as I sent this to you earlier, like, what do you, what do you like? What do you don't like? What were you right about? What weren't you right about? Uh, I, and I think everybody who had a brain thought this, but more Derek white for the Celtics is just good for business. Like last year, the on-off numbers were so ridiculous. I mean, it was really comical. I think it was like the seasons were plus like 11.1 or plus 12.1 with Derek White on the floor versus off the floor, which is amazing. Um, as much as we all love Marcus Smart, trading him away to give Derek more minutes was absolutely the right play and the right move um, because he's been absolutely tremendous. Uh, I, I'm sure some people know us and everybody, but Derek White – Leads the NBA net rating at plus 12.3. He's top 10 in clutch time shooting in the fourth quarter. And it was clutch time. Yeah, I think NBA's.com measures that as like a game within five points with four minutes to go. Something like that. In that time, he's shooting 56% from the field, 50% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. As a pick and roll ball handler this year, uh, Derek White has better points per possession than Steph Curry. Tyrese Maxey, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, and Jamal Murray. And in the fourth quarter, just in the fourth quarter alone, Derek White is shooting 51% from the field, 44% from three, and somehow only 88% from the free throw line. Derek White has been so good and made himself so much money in the process. Uh, I couldn't be happier for a guy that's like just like is all about team and winning and making the right play at the right time. Here's the one thing I'll ask you though. Is Derek the guy that should bring the ball up at the end of games? I have no idea who should do it. Nobody seems to want to do it without turning it over. And that's, if you aren't, when you send me that, that was going to be on my list of things that is worse than I anticipated. And I do not think that they have figured out just yet is 
they get to the last two, three minutes. I was told last year, oh, we got Brogdon. We're going to have another guy to set up the offense and get people in the right spots. I definitely made this argument. Next thing I knew, he was throwing the ball to Tyrese Maxey with 40 seconds left in a playoff game. So that that wasn't the answer. Okay? I was told Marcus Smart wasn't the answer. It's like, okay, now we have Drew Holiday, a veteran championship caliber point guard. He has CTE just like everybody else at the end of these games that are tight where you have to deal with ball pressure and get over half court and initiate offense. So then at that point, you're thinking, okay, just give it to the Jays, let them do it, and, you know, live with the results. Well, crap. Now I got Jalen turning the ball over. Now I got Tatum, you know, holding the ball and and not making quick decisions. If Derek is the only one that can do it, but even he has possessions where he's just, and really recently where he's just throwing the ball carelessly. And it's just, that's my biggest concern is, you know, that the opponents know once you get to the end of games and things tighten up, give the Celtics ball pressure and they'll crack. I can't say that through 55 games or whatever it's been that there haven't been way too many times where we've seen every starter minus Porzingis handle the ball in late close fourth quarter situations and still have careless turnovers. So I hope that Derek can do it. I thought is in the playoffs. It's just going to be Jason Tatum and you're going to live and die with what Jason Tatum does because he's your best player. And if we go down following his lead, so be it. But for the rest of the regular season, I just want everybody else to get as many reps as possible in the event that we have to turn to them in a game where the score is within five, two with two, two thirty left in the game. The defensive pressure is up and you need to get over half court and still have enough time to initiate your offense. All the things that we're hoping to see progression in, I still think are questions. I think there's definitely some truth to that. I've been, I forget what game it was recently. I, I texted some people about it because I noticed that at the end of the game, it was Derek White bringing the ball up over everybody else. And it actually didn't go as well as I thought it would. I thought it would go better. And it, and I still make the case for whether it's Tatum or White. I'm, I'm leaning more into White because I think everybody trusts him the most mm-hmm. to make the, like, I mean, you heard the 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 KP JJ Redick interview that came out a couple months ago, and I just think that the way everybody holds Derek in such high esteem um, means a lot. Like when they say like when, when Derek doesn't make the right play, we're all like, "What the hell's going on?" Here? Hell yeah! So I think it's going to be more about trust than anything else at the end of games. And I think this team absolutely trusts Derek White to make the right decision, mm-hmm. and so. I, I have confidence in him a little bit at the end of games, but I'm with you. Like we don't know until And we- you know what? It could be it could be as easy as it's not so important as to who's initiating it, as long as the play is just a pick and roll with Porzingis. There's your solve, right? Like let's go to definitely I'll, I'll okay. The, like don't that, do the whole don't do the whole post Tatum up at the top and and, that, and let that drain clock. If Derek needs to run it, cool. He can run pick and roll with Porzingis. If it's Tatum, pick and pop, pick and roll. I think the the real answer might be it doesn't matter who initiates it as long as they're initiating a Porzingis pick and roll. Yeah, and like the, the the amount of stress on 
other teams' de- defensive plans when Porzingis hits a ball screen 30 feet away from the basket is right. just so much fun to watch because he's lethal from almost everywhere. And yeah. especially this season, like the the best thing I wish I I wish you could isolate the stat of like what is Porzingis shooting when someone's six foot five or shorter and they're like up in his airspace? Because that used to be a thing that Marcus would do to throw Porzingis oh. off when he was with the Knicks. And I used to love every second of it because I was like, Wow, Porzingis, what a loser. Smart six foot four. And now, as soon as he gets in his grill, but he's yeah. been so much better at that shot of like, oh, you're how tall are you? Okay. And just and whether it's from the free throw line or inside that, I, it's just been easy for him. I may be wrong. And while they don't do it by height, I think he's at like a 84% true shooting percentage on post-ups. Yeah. So it's like the majority of his post-ups are like you mentioned, that he's attacking the switch. So that guy might be 6'2 or 6'3 and not 6'5. But like you said, it's it's either a bucket or a foul every single time. And that that's just why he's it. He's the X factor. He's the answer to all of the problems that have plagued them in each of their previous two playoff runs, right? Yeah. If you needed something to break Miami zone, welcome to Porzingis. You needed something to break Golden State's switching defense, guess what? Welcome to Chris Porzingis. Yeah. So that's just why, like, I will give up a lot of things in my life for him to have a healthy playoff run. Because oh this this team and this core, with how they've gone about it and how they've just constructed their roster, they've done everything, like, right, right? Like, they've done everything that you would want. They just deserve a chance to see what it looks like with all their guns blazing. And that's the one thing I was like, one of the, and I tried to make like two things I was right about, two things I was wrong about. One of the things I was wrong about was just how awesome Chris Stapps Porzingis is going to be with this team. Like, I thought mm-hmm. he'd be good, but I, the defensive stuff as a rim protector, I'm used to now. But let me tell you, <laughs> when, the, when the season first started, I was like, oh my God, this guy's amazing as a rim yeah. deterrent. The shooting, the guard moves, the, I call him the queen of the chessboard because he just seems to have an answer for everything. And now the Celtics seem to have an answer for everything. Like as an example, like how Miami plays him, you're going to zone him up. Good luck to you. You're going to have, and Bam's doing the best he can, but Pam's just, you know, not tall enough sometimes. Um, I, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the Chris Apps Porzingis experience. He, like you, we had David Aldridge on this show right after they traded for him. And, he was like, oh, my he's God. A Was- he's a Washington guy, right? Oh, like yeah, a like, you yeah. guys are going to love Porzingis. He's like, mm-hmm. you got- like, the thing that stinks about being a Washington Wizards beat writer is uh, you just don't see a lot of good basketball. It's just, mm-hmm. You don't. But what he does on the floor, you guys need desperately, and it's going to be eye-opening. And, again, <laughs> I thought he'd be good. Right I, thought he'd- I thought he'd be good. Like, I'm not saying I didn't think he'd be good. I thought he'd be good. I didn't think he'd be like – Holy shit! This yeah. team is yeah, like, like yeah. it's like it's yeah. it is it is so evident that he's the clearly the piece they've been missing for so long that again you're just like okay if they can just get him through playoff series they're gonna make the finals and then once you get there it's like well you got there you know throw it all you know it's just at that point like a flip of a coin who can win the, who wins the thing but now I will say this though with Porzingis. 
And yeah. I think it's it's very important. And the same is going to be true of Holiday as well. You know, we still need to see how Porzingis does on this team in high-leverage playoff situations. Sure. That's still as great as he looks now and as unstoppable as it looks. Playoff basketball is not regular season basketball. And in theory, it should translate, but you don't know, you know, maybe he's going to be pressing so much because he wants to make such an impact and he just gets into a rut. You know, th- there are still things. And with Holiday, you know, he has to fight off his playoff dropper allegations in terms of his efficiency, right? The guy's shooting 60% from the corners during the regular year, but, you know, that may not continue in a playoff series. So while I think it's 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 valid to be excited about what they both can bring because it's so apparent when you watch them play that he solves their issues. We don't know what it's going to look like in game five on the road against the Bucks or the Heat, or, you know, you're down three, two, and you need Porzingis to step up on the road. Is he going to deliver? Those are the things for him that he still has to answer, but you can't do that in February. So you may as well enjoy it. Yeah. And I've, the KP experience has just been, Again, better than I – again, I had high hopes for this, but he's been – and what's crazy is, like, and the health's been unbelievable, but, again, he's only getting more comfortable playing with this team the more he plays with them. Like, it's right. been so seamless that you almost forget it's it's his first time on this team. And then his, you know, his relationship with Jalen Brown. I don't want – if you watch the the View from the Rafters pod with them. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The second I – Is so it I'm awesome? I'm waiting to the video. It's it's only 18 minutes, which was, like, such a tease. But, oh, man, you that's know, I get it. I was, I was messaging with Mark. I was like, you can feel it through the screen. It's like, it's not an act between those two. It's like, there's a genuine connection. And they talk about, it's like, once you step onto the floor, it's just like so much easier to play. And, you know, he talked a lot about how he had that connection with smart, how they always found the backdoor cuts together. And he was like, it's the same sort of feeling with KP only now, it's like he can hit threes. He's just by the rim. So their love is real. Their production to one another is real. Like if you look at Jalen's assist total, like 80% of them are to Porzingis. So it's like they're, they're on the court. Minutes are working. They're off the court is working. It's just I truly believe that when Brad made this trade, it was about unlocking Jalen every bit as much as it was giving Tatum this unreal unicorn to play next to. I think the leap and how it's opened things up for Jalen to round out his game has been more of an impact of why they're so good because Tatum fits with everybody, right? He's Jason Tatum. But the ways that Porzingis has brought elements of Jalen's game out, I think that's what Brad saw and was like, all right, here's how we take that next step by making our second player, second best player, even more dynamic. Yeah, and I think I think it was B. Rob and, and Barrett were talking about this yesterday. I think it was yesterday about mm-hmm. how they seem to have found their like stagger. It's mm-hmm. Jalen, KP, mm-hmm. and Derek White, yep. and then Jason and Holiday mm-hmm. separately, and which yep. is exactly how you should play it. <laughs> like as as we've seen throughout Jason's career as he's matured and and progressed into this All NBA player. Like ever since he's been first in the All NBA. Jalen, no, Jason plus four bench guys equals still net positive. Like, that's right. just been that way. Meanwhile, Jalen's lineups have been something they've had to tinker with. Now, they've done a better job in terms of answering the, okay, what do we do 
when Jason's off the floor, how do we still generate points? I believe the number is plus eight. Plus 8.1, I think. 8.1. Yeah. Caesar, which is, I think, the biggest thing from the first 45 games, or what is it, 55 games? 55 games. My 55. math is Saturday, whatever. Um, the biggest thing I think that I've, that I've learned this year, or at least the biggest stat, biggest takeaway is they've finally found a way to win the non-Tatum minutes. Correct. That has been the biggest question mark this team has had for several years. Um, yeah. I mean, they were Jason Tatum merchants for the most yeah. part. Yeah, <laughs> like and I love, I love trades. Like Jason Tatum got so many people paid in this league; it's unbelievable. He's great, yeah. no question. Yeah. But if they if they could find a way to win minutes with Jason on the bench, it's just like the the Jokic thing. Once I was just gonna was- say it's it, that's what that's how the Nuggets won the title. Is they maybe didn't it maybe wasn't a plus eight, but they just yeah. mitigated the damage of the non Jokic minutes. Yeah, that's the key. Um, but I've done a lot of talking, so I want to get to – give me something that you predicted would happen that has carried out the exact way uh, this season has progressed so far. That Joe would be just as good. <laughs> 100 wins! What are we – 100 wins already! I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty stubborn Missoula believer. Yeah. I just think, I just think his approach to how he sees basketball – and how he coaches it and his philosophy and the buy-in was so apparent last year that I think, you know, it only was the next logical step to think, okay, with a normal training camp, with a filled out staff, with the experience that he would be not as good, but even better than we saw last year. And I think it's un- it's undeniable that he has been better this year. It does not mean that he's perfect. It does not mean that, you know, he won't make mistakes or have lineup issues that go wrong or, you know, in-game of strategy that don't work out. But on the whole, the Joe Missoula experience has been extremely positive, and he's setting himself up. Like, this could be the guy for the next, you know, Brad Stevens era. However long we're doing this, you know, it's one thing to have talent, but we all lived through 2018-19 where they had all the talent in the world, and it didn't work. So to have this level of talent, this level of pressure, and to have the consistent level of winning that we've seen, I mean, you just have to say he is proving that he is up to the challenge and worthy of the job. Well, go back to those 2018-2019 teams. You know what those teams don't have that this team has? Buy-in from everybody. Yeah. Because Kyrie and Hayward – and even Marcus Morris, like he wanted more shots. Like, Everybody did. It wasn't that that cohesion. It, it just wasn't there. There's real structure here. There's real, you know, this is your role. This is your role. This is your, and everybody buying into their roles. Like, and again, I'm going to quote Barrett and B Rob yesterday because I listened to their pod yesterday. But like, look at Peyton Pritchard. It's very mm-hmm. obvious what his job is. His mm-hmm. job is to hit open threes, attack the paint if you can, move the basketball crash the offensive glass, and apply as much ball pressure as you can being as small as you are. Yeah. And he's hitting all of those all the time. How about O'Shea Brissett? I was, I was just going to say, Brissett, same thing. What's O'Shea Brissett's job? Just yep. bring as much energy to this game as you possibly can. Shoot the open shots when you're open, attack closeouts, but crash the glass on both ends and apply as much ball pressure to whoever you're guarding as humanly possible. Mm. Everybody has a role and everybody is buying in. So to the people that want to give Joe a hard time, 
I always do this with every other aspect of, of sports. So I'll do it this way. If you're going to replace Joe Missoula with somebody, you have to come up with someone to replace him with. And mm. I would like you to try and name me the coach who's currently not employed by a basketball team that's going to yeah. do a better job than Joe Missoula with this team. Everybody's going to say, oh, well, Spolster would be great. You know, shit, he'd be great. He's the best well, coach. But having said that, Joe's beat Spolster six out of the last seven times. So how much of a gap is there really? Who's to say? <laughs> Ty Lu? I know. I mean, there are plenty of great coaches. Mm-hmm. But not everybody is going to succeed in the way Joe's succeeding. To be a second-year head coach, to have this level of buy-in, from the amount of guys they have buy-in from is a testament to how well he's doing. Again, yes, he's not perfect, but I understand the plan, right? Oh, he doesn't take timeouts. Do you understand why he doesn't take timeouts? Because right. he wants them to figure it out and not rely solely on a timeout to stop runs. Like, heaven right. forbid that they learn how to do that organically. Greedy. Like, right. heaven forbid. And I don't think anybody would argue that it's maybe easier – coaching wins for the Boston Celtics than it would be like what Taylor Jenkins is dealing with right now with his injuries and rot. Like no kidding. Yes. Having talent ultimately is what separates everybody in the NBA. So if you took another good coach and gave them coach the Celtics talent, they'd probably be pretty good. But that just, if if you're telling me there's not going to be a huge drop off from what I'm currently seeing with Joe, if I were to add a Ty Lue or a Spolster or whatever, are they going to be 50 and whatever, six? Probably not. So it's like the level we're seeing is not common. It's not something that everybody does. Ime didn't even do it, and everybody loved Ime. So it's like I just – that's probably my biggest win is just what I knew what I saw last year. I could tell by just how he approaches. And when he when you actually listen to his post-game press conferences outside of, like, the digs on Gary Washburn and to just listen to him talk basketball, the guy's a psycho. Like, he he is obsessive over the sport and figuring out how to get this team to a sustainable level that's good enough to win a title. If you're against that, then, like, what do you even want as a coach? Because he's giving you exactly what everybody would want in this situation. Let's go quickly. Uh, give me something that you predicted would happen that hasn't happened so far this season. So I was dead wrong about how Brissett was going to be used. I did not think that they would trust Sam Hauser to guard Biggs as as often as he does. I thought that was the Grant Williams 20-minute-a-game replacement player. So I think I've been pleasantly surprised that Hauser has continued to hold up on that end. But I thought, like, you know – Everybody, the one thing the roster needed was, okay, if Hauser's going to be on the floor as your shooter, you need that bigger stretch four. I thought that was going to be Brissett. He's actually just an energy guy. So so that was dead wrong. And honestly, I thought they would miss Smart more. I'm just going to say it. I thought, you know, having Holiday helps fill that void. But I think, you know, had they gotten off to a slow start, it maybe would have, you know, there would have been that doubt that crept in. But the fact that they were so good right away with Porzingis's impact and Holiday's impact, I thought they would be a little bit more of like a, a growing pain type, learning each other's game feel. But they hit the ground running. And I just, that's better than I probably thought heading in. Because, you know, that was such a emotional, 
you know, trade and there's, you know, it wasn't like you traded your eighth man, right? So I thought that maybe there would be a figuring out period, but Brad knows more than me because it has looked phenomenal since the very first practice. Yeah. And it, look, we're all, we're all flying high. It's just because this team is off to <laughs> just an insane start. There's just not a lot to complain about, despite the fact there seems to be a lot of complaining going on. Right. <laughs> I, I'll leave you with uh, two of these quickly. Um, thing that I'm was right about is uh, point Jason Tatum is going to be a real big thing for this team. And again, lately he's been just making all the right decisions. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, all, when the double comes, he's getting off a quick ball moves around. Maybe it finds Jason again. Maybe it doesn't, but they, they can attack Mitch mismatches now a lot easier with the addition of Chris Epps, Porzingis, might I add, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they have a much easier time generating offense after Jason has to give it up when he gets double teams. So there's that. And the thing I guess I'm, I, I didn't see coming. Um, was this play making leap for Jalen a little bit? Cause Jalen has been now, I know, He's come down from an absolutely unbelievable January where he was, I think, I, December or January, I think it was the best basketball Jalen Brown's ever played in his life. I think he's been way better than I expected on both ends of the floor for most of this season. But you go through his, like, because, you know, Joe mentioned it, that they they value potential assists sometimes more than actual assists themselves, which I totally understand why. But I bet you he's probably, I bet you he's just behind Derek White, if I had to guess. I bet you, yeah, I bet you it's like White Tatum or Tatum White and and then Jalen. I bet you yeah. he's within thirty. I bet you he's within thirty. I just want to throw out there at one point he was ten point five potential assists per game. That's uh, a crazy number for, for a good stretch, which is for Jalen Brown unbelievable. Because if you had told me that when he was a rookie or a second year in the league, I would have said no way is Jalen no. Brown doing that kind of stuff. So. Again, the things that I, I look for, the growth, the maturation of this team are happening all over the place in little pockets every month. And as you pay attention to them, it's like, oh, my goodness, they figured this out. They figured this out. Because at the end of the day, Greeny, I, I'm very adamant about this and some other people are. And this will be my big prediction for the second half. If this team shares the ball in the fourth quarter, like they've been sharing the ball as a team throughout the year, and they get better at it a little bit because the fourth quarter stuff, the offense dies down and bogs down, becomes very Tatum centric. But if they just buy into sharing the basketball the way they do for like the first forty three minutes of the game, they're going to win the NBA championship this year. Because if they're going to throw out those five guys and they're all moving the ball around, good luck. Because yeah. The, the worst guy in the core is Drew Holiday. <laughs> right. But again, that's just, we're going to have to see. I mean, Drew Holiday shoots like, you know, in the low 30s in his career in the playoffs. So, mm-hmm. yes, in theory, you're right. We just have to see the execution part of that equation. Um, but I just, to your Jalen playmaking point, Kristaps Porzingis. There you go. Like, the reason it looks different is because he's never played with a dynamic you know, position like that, you know, Horford's kind of like a pick and pop player, but he's not seven foot two. And I think when everybody gets into trouble, they always can just remember, just lob it up to the seven foot two guy and he'll get it and he'll do the right thing with it. So I think that has helped Jalen when he's driving or creating and he gets into trouble. He can remember, oh yeah, 
just throw it higher than everybody else can reach and we'll get a much better decision out of it as opposed to him forcing things and trying to create and force things through three defenders that ends up in a turnover and then everyone starts pressing and things just go downhill. I will say as we get ready to wrap this up, uh, first game back from the all-star break is the 22nd and it's against Chicago, but I don't know if you've looked at the schedule here, Greeny. It's tough the first week. I of keep waiting for this stretch that that the that the, that the, the Sixers had, where it was like Portland and the Wizards and like Detroit, like all in a row, like seven so games. We, we sort of just had it to end like end of January and, and February. That was that was light. The first week of March is a gauntlet, but then once you get from like mid March to April, it's it's smooth well, sailing. So. They come back here, right? So they have the the Bulls and they come back, but then they have the Knicks, the Sixers. Embiid probably not playing, so that'll be a little easier. But Knicks, Sixers, Dallas, Golden State, Cleveland, Denver, Phoenix. Ugh. I love it. I I say bring like yes, I want easy games for rest, but I also like I like barometer games. Like I like being able to be forced to play against teams with talent. So I hope that those teams have full health for everybody because I'm a believer in iron sharpens iron and. Especially like with that Nuggets game, we get a little payback for how the first meeting went. Uh, I think winning on the road, I mean, all of those games, the Nuggets, uh, the Suns, like they still have to play those games on the road. So, you know, I think it's good to be tested. But if you get through that stretch, five and two, four and three, whatever that is, and then you get to mid-March and you have like a six and a half game lead still, that's when I think we see a lot more Jordan Walsh, a lot more Nemes Queda. Because at that point you've you've made it through the gauntlet and it's just about being healthy. Yeah, the last two games of the season you can rest everybody, Charlotte and then Washington. Yeah, so it's like ours are coming, like that stuff's coming. But you know, I what I do hope is that they've already locked in like sixty wins by then. Because I don't, I would hate for them to like mail don't in lose, those last don't two lose games. The NBA's best record. That's all. Yeah. Because yeah. if you're going to take care of home court like they have this year, and they've done a really nice job of that after what was a catastrophe of a playoff run. I yep. mean, the home game losses were – it's like if you guys just cared about home court a little bit more, like this wouldn't be a problem. But um, if they can take care of home court the way they have this year, that's going to be a big advantage. I mean, look, listen to everybody that – like didn't Halliburton say his favorite away arena is the, the, the Garden? Yeah, he said uh, – he gave two. It was the Garden and uh, one other. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen – People used to like playing there because they always seem to find a way to win. So if, yeah. if the Celtics can protect it, I mean, yeah. in theory, we should live in a world where they can win a title by only winning their home games. Right. So we'll see how it goes. Should be a fun second half. Uh, quick for tonight. Jalen wins or no? Um, I'm going to say no because I, I think, you know, I don't want him to overextend himself. And I think Mac McClung will just do something crazy and he'll get the crowd Mac, going. Mac can really like Mac's a really good dunker. I think. Right. I think- so it's, I just hope, you know, give me a D Brown dunk. Give me maybe a, a throwback of Gerald Green's repertoire. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go over this. If you had to pick one, this is the last question because we got out of here. Okay. Jalen can only recreate one dunk from Celtics dunking history. Is it the D Brown? Uh-huh. Or the birthday cake. Well, the birthday cake was he on? He was on he was Minnesota. Minnesota then. So yeah. fair enough. But 
I still count it because Gerald Green was I like, first. <laughs> I like the Gerald Green where Pierce lobbed it to him off the side of the backboard, and then he took it and went around like that. That's something I can see because, you know, you're going to want Tatum involved. I can see him recreating that one. Um, but at some point, you know, with the number, I think he can bust out the pumps. You have to do the D-Brown dunk tonight. You, even if it's not going to be a 50, you just have to do it. You know what's crazy, though? If you, I went back and just watched that dunk. Gary Washburn had a great piece on that dunk. So if you haven't read that yet, Boston Globes, Gary Washburn, good friend of the show, great piece. But, like, just some of the history of that dunk when it happened then afterwards. But if you go back and listen to the commentary of that dunk, because I love the dunk contest commentary. Like, mm-hmm. I'll never forget Kenny Smith telling everybody to go home after Aaron yeah, Gordon went after, yeah. like this over a mascot. Like, just mm-hmm. go home, just go People were freaking out over D Brown's dunk. Yeah. Like they were well, like, I mean, oh my God, I can't believe he did it. I'm like, in comparison to stuff, like I know that this is hard to do. And I'm a five foot six white guy, so obviously I can't do that. But mm-hmm. the stuff we've seen since, you're like, I mean, I've seen some crazier stuff, but that at the time was I so think they gave I think they gave Gerald Green a fifty when he did it. Um when he won it as a Celtic. I think that was in like oh five. Maybe oh yeah. four. He yeah. did it, but it's a little bit different when the guy's number and name is the same. I hope he does it, but I would I just, be disappointed if he didn't. Yeah, I'm just I'm praying for no injuries. I'm praying that you know he he. I don't mind if he loses. I just want him to make all of his dunks on the first try. Yep. Also with you on that. Also yeah. with you, man. Dan Greenberg from Barstool Sports. An excellent episode for you guys. Evan Valenti signing off. Kaufman will be back next week again. Feel better, Kaufman. Uh, appreciate you letting us uh, fill in for you. Make sure you subscribe to this show on iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube. Also, CLNS, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. Leave us a review in the comments section. Uh, do whatever you got to do. You can make fun of my appearance. I don't really care anymore. Uh, I've got what difference does it make I got Charlie Manson one time and it was so accurate that I couldn't stop laughing Uh, Dan Greenberg it's at Stool Greeny on Twitter yeah yep Uh, you can find him all over Barstool everywhere Uh, want to thank Dan for joining us here today enjoy the second half everybody and uh, talking playoffs relatively shortly (laughs) see ya hi man